We're going to take we're going to take a look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 12 through 17. We're going to be hopping around just a little bit, so if you want to get out your extra fingers to hold in places, we're going to do a little hopping back and forth. 1 Timothy <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. says this, it says, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me the strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of who I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for the day that you have given us. Lord, and we choose this morning, this day, to bring you everything that we have, to worship you with everything that we are. Lord, I pray that as we dig into your word, that you would change us, that you would shape us, that you would mold us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, by the way. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to say that. You guys excited for opening Sunday of, of football? I see these guys with the weird weird shirts on. Nothing like wearing somebody else's jersey like that. You guys excited for about Baker Mayfield, huh? Who's excited about Justin Fields? Every year. No? Nobody. 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 This is the, the first step every year, right, towards your Super Bowl or or not. One of the two, that's what happens. For me, it's most of the time not. For you guys, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm excited. Nothing like a good Sunday afternoon, you know, sleeping in front of the TV. That's what we do at our house. Um, anyway, let's get back to the more important thing, right? So this is Paul, of course. He's writing, and he's, he's talking to Timothy. And I tell you, Paul, I mean, obviously, he, you know, he's written huge portions of the New Testament, and so somebody that we can take a look at and really kind of um, mold our life, actually, after, right? It says, we're supposed to be like Jesus, but Paul said a number of times, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And so you can look through here, and you begin to glean things from Paul. And Paul, in my opinion, um, is, is really special in regards to a couple of things, but one, that he is massively aware of who he is. He has always been, if you, if you read all of his letters, he talks about himself quite a bit. Yeah, he talks about himself all the time, but he's keenly aware of who he is. He's keenly aware of who he is, he's keenly aware of who Christ is, and he's keenly aware of who Christ made him to be, who Christ called him to be. One of my favorite lines in this, this whole, whole entire thing is this, he says, uh, Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save the sinners of whom I am the worst. Of whom I am the worst. He wasn't one to hide his sin or hide the fact that he had problems. 
hide the fact that he struggled day in and day out. If, if you read Romans, you'll see it. I, I, I can't do the things I'm supposed to do. I, I, I do the things that I'm not supposed to do. He just says it over and over. He was never afraid to talk about his sin. And we talked about this three or four or five weeks ago whenever I was up here last. We, we live in a culture that is quite the opposite, that we hide all of our sin. We hide everything that's wrong with us. We, we put on a good face. We don't expose ourselves. And we just hide it all, and we build up walls, and everything is good, and everything is fine, and I'm just moseying on down the street with Jesus, and I don't struggle, and I, I don't ever mess up, and I don't ever worry, or I don't ever doubt, or I don't ever fear, or I don't ever think bad thoughts about people, or say bad things to people, or whatever it might be. But Paul was not that. Paul said, Jesus Christ, here's a trustworthy saying. Part of the trustworthy saying is Jesus Christ came to save the sinners of whom I am the worst. I was reading this um, in, in prep for um, staff devotions, and, and I just kept looking at that afterwards, actually, and I kept thinking, of whom I am the worst. Is that something I would ever say? Is that something I would ever think? Is that something I would ever believe, that, that I am comfortable enough with who I am to admit I've got some problems? And I have a feeling Paul didn't just admit them in his letters that we read. I have a feeling that if you, if you look at Paul and how he wrote things, he talked about his problems to people. It's not really written in there, but that's just my belief. Is that he was comfortable with saying, I've got these problems. I once, what do you say, I once was a blasphemer, a persecutor. I was a violent man. And I wonder what our lives would be like if, if we could understand this. The problem with us is we either hide it all or we become the martyr who says, I've just got all these problems and I can never be good and I can never do anything and I'm never going to um, do what the Lord calls me to do. I, I, I can't be used by the Lord. But see, this is where Paul really did fully understand who he was. In this, he says, I am the worst. For that very reason, Christ set an example. He says, I am the worst. But before that, he says, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength and considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. That's verse 12. Even though I was once a blasphemer. See, Paul understood, I've got all these problems. I've got all these sins in my life. I, I was such a violent man. I, I, I did all these wrong things in, in, in direct Contradiction to the Lord, you're fighting against the people of God, fighting against the people of the way. He was in direct op opposition to them and fighting them every single way. But when he met the Lord, he realized that the Lord trusted him. It says, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength. He considered me trustworthy. The thing is, Paul wasn't necessarily trustworthy, but when he turned his life over to Christ, he became trustworthy because he laid down everything that he was, everything who he was, all of his upbringing, and he boiled it down to one thing, and that was Jesus and Jesus crucified. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, if you want to flip back a little bit, he says this, he says, so it is with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with elegance or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, 
but on God's power. See, Paul was a smart man, well-educated, well-raised, had moved up into the ranks. But when he met Jesus, he was immediately changed. And he boiled his whole life down to this, that I would know Jesus and him crucified. He admits he came in weakness, humility, not with wise words. He resolved himself to live this way and never once thought about it as something that wasn't good. He was okay being weak and being used by the Lord. He was okay not being the smartest person in the room. He was okay not using all the smartest phrases and not knowing everything. He was okay with just knowing Jesus Christ died for me. I am the worst, and he died for me. And because I give my life over to him, he uses me. I think we overcomplicate things a lot of times. We overthink what people are going to view us and how people are going to view us, and we undervalue the power of the Holy Spirit. We think we've got to get it all together. We've got to have all the right words. We've got to have all the right phrases. We've got to know all the scriptures, have them all memorized, and be ready for this battle. And that's true. We do need to be ready for the battle. We need to be in the word. But here Paul tells us he relied on the power of the Holy Spirit because he didn't want people to follow his wisdom and his words. He wanted people to follow the power of God. The salvation power of God, the healing power of God that those people that he came in contact with would have eternal life. But he started from a place of meekness. In his words, weakness. Not of power and authority of his own, but just the power and authority of the Holy Spirit and God moving through his life. He was keenly aware of who he was. He was keenly aware of what Christ did for him. He says in Romans chapter 6, verse 19 through 23. Romans chapter 6, verses 19 through 26. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever-increasing wickedness, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things resulted in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Paul realized no matter what, you're going to be a slave. You are going to be a slave to something. And what he was saying here is, I'm going to use everyday life. I'm going to teach you using everyday circumstances. He said, you were a slave to impurity and and increasing in in wickedness. And never walking in righteousness and holiness. And what was the benefit, he asks them. What was the benefit of being that slave that that you can't stop doing all the sinful things in your life? And he said, but now become a slave of Christ. You know, as humans, we, we really don't like that idea that we're slave to Christ, that we do everything, but Pastor Billy talked about it a few weeks ago, that we do everything he called us to do because we're afraid we're missing out on something or that we're being controlled by something. And the thing is, we're always controlled by something. And Paul is begging them here, and he's telling them, be controlled by Christ. He said, because the wages, the payment for what you do in sin is death. 
as we walk in sin all the time, and if we don't turn our lives over to Christ and we don't bow our knee to him, the payment for that, the result of that is sin. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. When I was reading through this yesterday as, as my kids were kind of running around the house and we actually had been to a couple of birthday parties um, and had just a great time, but I began to think about this idea of gifts and, and, and people in my life who have given me gifts and gifts I have given. You know, in your life, you've got some people in your life that you know are really good gift givers, right? That they just know. They know who you are. They know what you like. You know, they, they, they just think through things. They don't just haphazardly go to Target and get you a gift card. I haphazardly go to Target and will get you a gift card every time you invite me to your birthday. That's what you're going to get. Gift card, Starbucks, maybe some cash, whatever is around, whatever. I'm not the best gift giver. But I've got friends and family members who just are fantastic gift givers. And as I was sitting in, at these parties, I, was, I just was dwelling on this verse about, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. That God is by far, without a doubt, the best giver, gift giver there is. And what's, what makes a good gift giver is they are thinking about that person in front of them rather than about themselves. See, when I buy a gift, I'm thinking, how quick can I make this happen? Got to go to, I can't show up to the party without a gift. We got to do something. How quick? Bad gift giver. Good gift givers are thinking about that person, knowing what they need. And Jesus, God, he looked down on humanity and he said, these people need the ultimate gift of my son. And the best gifts I've also found are ones that we never could fathom, that we'd ever get. Or that somebody would be thinking about us that much. Or something we thought we'd ever deserve. And that's what Jesus did for us. He gave us a gift that we never thought we could have. Never thought we could deserve. Still don't think we deserve. But he still gives it to us freely. That we may have eternal life. That we may be with him forever. See, the gift, the, 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 the good gift givers, it's not about the person. It's about the heart of the person giving. It's about the thoughtfulness of the person giving, and that's what Jesus has done for us. He, he looked upon us and he said, I will pay the price for you so that you may have eternal life. Paul knew it full well. He lived his life in that regard, knowing and saying time and time again, I don't deserve this. I, I, I am the worst of the sinners, but I know that by bowing my life to Christ, I am actually trustworthy to move and to do those things that he's called me to do and, and to live the life that he's called me to live. And I want to challenge you this morning that we need to wake up reminding ourselves of the, our, our desperate need for Jesus and our desperate need for forgiveness and our desperate need of redemption every single day, every single moment as we, as we continue to mess up and continue to have sin and problems in our life or, or whatever it might be. But realize that if I bow my knee to him, he desires to use me. He's called me. He finds you trustworthy to do the work that he's called you to do. I have one, one more point. And uh, I shared this with the, the staff. I have a, um, a few Bibles that, that I tend to you know, switch around through. But what really, honestly, it's because I can't find one, so I get another one. Um, so I got like four or five. And uh, when I was reading through this, I, I went and um, I like to look at what I've underlined, you know, in, in different verses. And because I can't find Bibles at certain times, 
sometimes it's all different that it's underlined. Like I read it one time and it's this line is underlined and this word is underlined. So I went and I happened to five and one day happened to find all five, all five. One's, one's right there and one's here and there's three more upstairs. Found all five. And I looked at them and they're a little bit different. Some of them are NIV, some are ESVs and New King James. And it, this is the word that I had underlined in every single one. This is the phrase I had underlined. It says, Christ Jesus, uh, let me back up. We'll read all of 16. It says, but for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. That Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. Every single one of my Bibles, it's, it's um, underlined in there, immense patience. In fact, actually, this Bible right here, I'll just show you. Prop, even when I wasn't even planning on having a prop. This actually is my dad's Bible. Um, he gave it to me, I don't know, sometime in college, and he underlined it. Immense patience. Some genetics are stronger than others. Paul's saying here that God used Paul's life in his ignorance and his, his anger and his violence and his conversion to demonstrate his immense patience with all of humanity. And I was thinking about that, and, and we were talking about it in the staff, the immense patience God has for us each and every day. Not just a little bit, but immense patience. Because we are those children and, and, and those friends that often get it wrong and often don't show up to meet with him when we should and, and don't give him the time we should or the glory he should or the honor we should or, or whatever it might be. Yet he is immensely patient with us. It says, as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. He used Paul's life and he showed that immense patience so that others would see this is a God who loves, who cares, who is willing time and time again for you to come to him and say, I am a sinner. Would you please forgive me? And like we said out of 1 John this morning, he finds it faithful and just to cleanse and to forgive us. He said he set this as an example for all believers. I believe it, for me it's a twofold example. One, just about the power and the love and the kindness and the faithfulness of who Jesus is but also as a call to you and I in our immense lack of patience most of the time, if I'm speaking for myself. When we view others, here Paul says he acted in ignorance because he didn't know the Lord. And for that he was granted grace when he met the Lord. How do we view those that we come in contact with that don't know about Jesus, that aren't walking with him? How do we view them? Do we view them with immense patience? Or do we view them with frustration? How about those who do know the Lord? Your friends and your family that, that love Jesus, that are desiring to be like him, but are just like you and they mess it up. And so often maybe mess it up towards you. How do you view them? You know, we're called to be like Jesus. We're called to walk in his footsteps, to, to do as he did, to do what he's called us to do. And one of those things that I have written down a number of times is to have immense patience. And that's hard. That's hard for all of us 
If you've got it figured out, come on up after church and I'll take you to lunch. And you can explain it to me. But I figure this, and I don't just figure, I know this. If we wake up in our day and we walk in our lives understanding our brokenness, and understanding our need that, that we are the worst of sinners, Paul can't just decide that he is. I think we can lay a little claim to that if you'd like. There we go. But also realize that we are redeemed because of the immense patience of Christ. Because they were, God was willing to send his son and die on that cross, that we are in that same place. I believe that's how Paul could walk through these times. It's because he realized who he was. He realized what Christ had done for him and who Christ was making him. If you desire to walk in immense patience in your own life, with those who are around you, we got to start there, knowing our desperate need for him and knowing his incredible faithfulness to always meet us, to always forgive, to always redeem, always to teach us and show us and heal us. So I pray for you this week that you will know who you are in Christ, that you will know who he has called you to be and who he is molding and making you to be, that you would experience his immense patience each and every day, and that that will begin to change your heart towards those who are around you, to show and to walk in immense patience with everyone we come in contact with. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.